Welcome to Collisions YYC, Beyond the Echo. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clear Motive Marketing. Full transparency, folks. I am one of the co-founders of Clear Motive Marketing. I have had the privilege and the amazing opportunity to be involved with my current business partner, Chad Kroger, since 2010. And it has been a fantastic ride and just an amazing, amazing journey. But I'm coming here today not as a co-founder, but as a client. Over a year ago, I brought the idea of the podcast to the team, presented the challenges, presented the opportunity, presented why I was excited about it, and they worked with me to create a plan. We built a strategy, we built the brand, we built the website, and they helped me execute, and they helped me execute day in and day out as we are constantly going live with, with new, new episodes. They also were a huge help in building the audience, which can be the most challenging things, whether you're a company, with a product or a service, or just a new idea that you need to get out there. So we've grown organically from over 200 downloads last December to over 2,000 this December, which is an all-time record for the show, something we're really proud of, and I couldn't have done it without the Clear Motive team backing me at every step of the way. They specialize in helping brands that operate in fast-paced, highly competitive industries, which, let's be honest, is, is everyone these days, to deliver more consistently and more effectively day in and day out, something that we all know can be an incredible challenge in marketing with the pace of the always-on mindset. With offices and teams in both Calgary and Toronto, they work to make clients better marketers. So if you need a new website, a new brand, or simply a new efficient way to produce and deliver and get your get your creative and market, and get connected with your customers, give us a call and let's have a good old-fashioned chat. Check out our work and our case studies at www.clearmotive.ca. Hello and a warm collisions. YYC, welcome to Mr. Royce Schwinn. How are you, Royce? Very good, Tyler. How are you? I am. I am good. It's sunny and warm in Vancouver, uh, in, in Calgary today, and you're you're in Vancouver. So this is a kind of combination episode because yeah. I don't. Uh, you're you're originally from the West Coast. You spent a good chunk of your time here as the president and CEO of Travel Alberta, and now have you kind of gone 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 back home to you know, so our loss, their gain, kind of thing. Is that what's going on? Uh, well, I, I don't want to quantify it in loss and gain. <laughs> I, I think. Uh, uh, I am enriched by my decade in Alberta, and I am so thankful for it, but Vancouver uh, was where I was born and raised, and uh, it was a great opportunity to come back uh, to help this market, and a great op- opportunity for the organization to bring on some new leadership and uh, go in some great new directions. Okay. Well, very very well said, sir. So yeah, you're currently President CEO of Tourism Vancouver. So just to get my understanding, and I apologize, I always like to start with, I don't know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask. Travel Alberta obviously feels like a bigger region. Vancouver, you went to be more specific to that kind of, the greater Vancouver area, like just difference and just under, understanding where you were in Alberta versus that role. And then we'll kind of get into the realities of, you know, tourism, travel, marketing, brand, all the things that I'm sure have been really challenged for you guys in the last kind of 14 months. You bet. So the big difference, you're exactly right. So Travel Alberta is a crown corporation under the government of Alberta, and its marketing or its span is the province. Uh, and so government-funded, government-regulated uh, government uh, is the share- shareholder. The shareholder has one vote. It's worth 100% for uh, Travel Alberta. Whereas Tourism Vancouver, not-for-profit society, funded by the government, but the board of directors is comprised of industry and our mandate is the development and promotion of the Metro Vancouver area. Um, Being probably anchor tenant in the West Coast here, if you think about from a visitation perspective, airport, those kinds of things, throughput into Western Canada. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. So very different in terms of structure and what you're able to do and the amount of stakeholders at, at, at the table. So curious, I'm, I definitely want to learn about a little bit what's going on there, but obviously this is, let's bring it back home to Alberta. And how, how long were you uh, in the CEO role in, the, in at Travel Alberta? Five and a half years as CEO, 10 years at Travel Alberta. Interesting. So from that perspective, let's, let's, let's rewind here. Let's go on a, let's go on a little journey. So 10, 10 years ago, it's 2011. What, what, what's the world look like? I'm just curious. Like, I think this feels like there's a bit of a story to be told till we get up to kind of like our current challenges and our opportunities. <laughs> but thinking back when the province was, sure. money was flowing down the street, the, what life was amazing. I, there's always been some up and downs, but just curious from a little bit of a historical perspective, what has it been like in this province over the last kind of in your 10 year tenure at that? Well, I, I will I will say to start off with, um, I didn't need to go get an MBA because my MBA was earned in Alberta by living through the experience of the last decade okay. of real life world politics, business, and everything else. And if you if you roll back to 2010, uh, I showed up in Alberta in the fall, which was the Olympic year. So oh, coming wow. off of a high in Vancouver, oh. I worked for the Canadian Tourism Commission. I was part of the team working on the 2010 Winter Olympics here in Vancouver. What an incredible experience. You come off of that high, you come to Alberta, you start in that organization. And for Travel Alberta at that time, it had just officially become a crown corporation April 1st, 2009. Uh, yeah, 2009. And so the corporation itself was renewing its own business and its model. So I was there at the formative years under CEO Bruce Acabi. And so from that perspective, you think 2010 up to 2015, every year was a little bit more growth, a little bit more of a build, a little bit more of an expansion in terms of the work that we're doing. And when I took the job over in the fall of 2014, I was appointed the CEO. We thought, this is great. This trajectory is fantastic. Things are going well. And then the wheels started to rattle. And then the wheels fell off in the mid half of 2015. And then business absolutely plummeted from that point on. So that's when you really got your MBA. <laughs> you are not kidding because <laughs> nobody prepares you for that kind of turn of, a, uh, of events. And I think it's, the, the context here is important because Alberta being a microcosm of the economy or of the greater economy in Canada, so comparative perspective, BC was doing great. Right. So when I got here in, in Vancouver and I was looking at past financial performance, leading up to 2019, was five consecutive years of record growth and visitation for this area versus what we were dealing with in Alberta. Completely different um, uh, uh, performance metrics and environment to work in. So help me understand this a little bit because I need to unpack it. Uh, your primary objective is to bring travelers to the province, correct? I, I'm, I'm high level. I might be oversimplifying. If I am, I apologize. Yeah. The economy yeah. here, obviously, the oil price changed. It was simply because did we just lose the budgets to fund that? Because there's no reason for someone to not come visit our province just because we had a downturn in our oil and gas sector. So I don't know. I'm just trying to tie those two things together. It's yeah. still everything that makes this province amazing as a visitor was still firmly in place during that period of time. Yet, obviously, being a crown corporation, I'm assuming there was funding challenges and things like that. So yeah, just trying to understand the, the correlation between a financial downturn and job loss and things that were very real versus I'm traveling from overseas. Alberta still looks beautiful. I check out top 10 things to do in Calgary or Alberta and I put them on my list and I decide to book a trip here. So I, I just, maybe in my own mind, how do those two things correlate or like, how do I look at that? 
Yeah, and, and so and that's a great point. So if you look at the if you look at travel or simply the reasons people move, you've got people coming to visit their friends and relatives. Yeah. You've got people coming for school. You have people for leisure visitation. I'm going to take a trip, and you have business travel, and that could be you know incentive travel. I want a trip because I'm a good salesperson. I get to go, or it could be a conference. Well, business travel really took a bottoming out and really hollowed out some of the cities, in particular Calgary, and and leisure tourism is not going to do enough to fill that gap. Okay, that's not going to happen. And so uh, as we started to see and as the government started to retrench its position, uh, we basically, by the time I left, our organization managed a, a cumulative 33% reduction in our, uh, in our budget. So our ability to promote Alberta uh, was cut by that much, which put that much more pressure on the destinations and other areas to try to do that work. Uh, and they neither have the budget or the capacity simply by the size or the available dollars. And that's not a criticism or knock. Yep. That's just, just that's simply size and scope. Well, and it's, it's a bit of a funnel in terms of the layer you guys operate at to then bring in that group. So you think of it almost like a sales funnel. You start, create that high level awareness, create some attractiveness, get it out there, get the, you know, what is an Alberta? What is a Calgary? I've heard that joke before uh, out there when you, when you travel the world. And then, okay, now we get into a city perspective where we get into an attraction perspective and it kind of works its way down. Is that how to think about it? Like the, the broader global preview and then working its way down to booking your hotel room X, you know, in, in Calgary, for example. Yeah, and I think you're I think you're right on to it. What we experienced when we were doing destination promotion uh, was that if you were certainly leading outside of the country, you'd lead with Canada, okay. and then with Canada, you then connect the experience, which happened to be in Alberta, it happened to be in Calgary, it okay. happened to be in in the Badlands or whatever, because that's where people are buying the experience. They might or might not know what a Calgary is. Certainly in Alberta, we saw that in the research. The experience is the thing that people is buying, and that's what will help make a decision or not. Okay, I get it. So from yourself, obviously you would have had a lot of relationships and connections with all types of like uh, similar bodies all over the world. Just curious, we get into the, the cornerstone of this, which is you know the brand and marketing kind of conversation. Curious about you know even in that period of time, like it, it, it takes a long time to shift a set of beliefs, like when you're the hearts and minds of you know what what experience might get in Alberta. But curious from your preview of being out there, the Canadian brand versus the provincial brand, like how we show up on that world stage and some of those conversations. I'm sure you had I've had many times over the years. Yeah, you know, uh, great story. I think uh, a couple of years ago in the olden days when we could travel, uh, I happened to be in the UK for a session on destination branding as part of a broader conference. And I was seated at a, um, um, a table with a number of different countries. And I'm the only Canadian sitting at the table. And we're talking about what, what can countries do that might affect their country brand, which would impact people's perception of a country. And as we were roundtabling that conversation, as the only Canadian, uh, people looked at me and said, why does Canada have such a good international brand. Generally speaking, we all have our issues. It's, mm -hmm. it's never perfect. And I really had to think about that, that question, and I don't know that I have the perfect answer, but what I learned in that conversation was that our brand has been defined over many decades for how Canada has given back into the international community. Mm -hmm. If you think about our UN work, yep. how we have, have, have uh, 
sent uh, funds out to countries in need, how we've extended peacekeeping missions and all those kinds of things. And that has created uh, uh, a perception of Canada as a helpful country versus countries who take and who do not step into the international arena. You couple that with our Canadian values, if I could say such a thing, and how we appreciate and respect other cultures around it. Again, there's no perfect in this, Mm -hmm. and that's created a Canadian persona. And that's what was recognized. So certain countries, no matter what advertising you do, you're not going to change it because you've got decades of work to undo. Yes, that's so... I, I appreciate how long it takes and like the power of brand when you start really unpacking the layers and layers and it still comes back to the experience that these people had with us as a nation. You know, that's interesting. I, I appreciate that. It instills a sense of pride to hear you say that as well. I think most Canadians will swell and go, wow, that's great. We want to be known. Uh, how does that break down at the provincial level? Like from an international audience, were they asking about Alberta versus a Quebec versus an Ontario versus, a, you know, a BC or at the international level, does it tend to sit at that higher like the higher brand value of Canada? From the international level, my experience has been it primarily sits at the Canadian, the Canadian level because when you do awareness uh, research with travelers, what tends to pop up, Canada being so vast, so spread out, are the usual suspects. Um, hmm. Toronto, Montreal, Niagara Falls, the CN Tower, Vancouver, uh, particularly Banff and the Rockies. Yeah. And then it's it's super steep, and there's not much else after that. Those are mostly the things that people recognize uh, in conversations with people. Hey, you're from Canada, you're from Toronto. Uh, nope, no, do, I'm do, from do you know Do you know Joe from Toronto? Yeah. Do you know Joe? Yeah, yeah, Joe. He lives in the greenhouse just down the street from me. Uh, <laughs> and so they might know Banff and maybe Vancouver, and that was um, not all, but mostly because the Olympics really helped to pop up the West Coast. Yeah. And so it was a fascinating discussion because people didn't realize the vastness of this country. That you can't just like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to be in Toronto. I could just come and see you. And I'm like, well, how much time do you have? Well, I'll just drive. It won't be that far. Like friends from Europe or whatever. Like, no, it's just a border hop away. So it kind of went from the overarching Canadian brand level and like what we stand for as why we put Canadian flags on our backpacks kind of mindset to actually almost attraction based, like Montreal being an attraction, Banff being an attraction in terms of a a destination with a certain experience that I'm going to get. The culture, the food, the downtown, the mountains, the fresh air, the beautiful, you know, majestic blow your mind the first time you see the Rockies kind of kind of thing. So as a province and as your role is, how do we draw traffic into into Alberta? Did you focus at all on how Alberta was perceived? And we can talk a little bit about around that. And you know, who, who who's been controlling that narrative on how Alberta has been perceived? Mm-hmm. Or did you guys focus more on the attraction base? Like how how did you determine where to kind of put value and and ultimately inv- investment? Right. It really started with the formative work on the Remember to Breathe brand. And that work started in 2009. It released in uh, the fall of 2011. And and Alberta's always had a brand, or let's say people have a perception of Alberta, whatever that might be. And it could be your rednecks. You you think you're part of the U.S. You are uh, you're a bunch of oil barons. All kinds of stuff. Um, And you go, okay, I I guess so, uh, if that's your perception. There's this whole other thing around uh, friendliness and Western hospitality, and and people will do a handshake deal. People will take you in and and help you. So 
knowing all of these things and really digging into the brand story of Alberta, we just tried to figure out a different way of trying to tell a story that existed. How could we take what that province has to offer, the amazing experiences, the vistas, the, the, the landscape, and the landscape not just being physical in terms of mountains, people, uh, food, events and festivals, uh, all of the things that make up the DNA of a province, and how could we figure out a way of storytelling that in a way that resonated with people personally versus us telling them this is the experience that you're going to have. <laughs> so when we launched that effort, one of the nuances that we did was there's no narrative. It's simply visuals. It's simply music. We didn't want to tell people, this is the <laughs> thing, you decide. And that seemed to resonate to storytell the tourism or the visitation aspect of what Alberta uh, could be and is. Which I'm assuming, I can only assume at the time of having been in meetings similar, it, it takes a lot of strength to say less, right? It takes a lot of courage as marketers to go, well, just make the logo bigger. Just just say, put more words on the billboard. Like, very obviously, but we've all been in those meetings and it's like, well, actually, no, we're going to let them insert themselves into it and then kind of tell their own narrative by creating this amazing back. I remember when that video launched and I, I was here, I'd been living here for many years and I was, it was emotional. Like, it was exciting. Like, I, I, had, a, I had a response to that and I was already kind of bought in and Maybe actually buy in a little bit more, which is kind of fun when you kind of get to fall in love with your own place you live, which I think is easy to take for granted when you live there. I think we're all guilty of that. I see the most sites when I have people come visit. I'm like, well, I'm going to take you to all the things that I don't normally go to when I live here. Um, exactly. And it happens everywhere. And I think that's a really good point about that brand because the brand story was designed for visitors. It was never designed for industry. And what do I mean? People say, oh, well, what are you talking about? Well, we're not marketing to industry. Let's find the best points of alignment. We're not going to align on everything, and that's okay. But if the best points of alignment are the kinds of travelers that we want to attract that ultimately visit your destination, then aren't we doing the right thing? Because prior to that, Tyler, I have to tell you, it was all about where's my logo, and it's bigger, and I need to be seen. Actually, no, you don't. Because the research tells us, and the travelers tell us, they don't care. What they care about is what is the experience I'm going to have, and will it provide something that's meaningful for me? Yep, that's pretty much corroborated, and then they'll come and, and they'll visit. And that was a huge mind shift uh, for Alberta, and, and I've said it a thousand times, and I'll say it again. I can't thank the partners for the trust that they put into the organization on a collaborative effort to change our mindset because that was the formative work behind the whole idea of Team Alberta coming together and being strategy-led versus industry-led and in how you present a tourism story. Moving away from the, the 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 bigger logo strategy to actually creating a, a narrative that the that the that the visitor could write with their own mind, and that's such a powerful. I love that, and it's funny seeing it from the outside and now hearing you unpack it and talk about it a little bit from a results perspective. Is like how long does it take to? We all live in a world as marketers sometimes where it's like that campaign better get results by week one. Like where's the ROI? Like when are we going to get that? I could only imagine with with tourism messaging that there's a much bigger, this is a longer time horizon. So from you guys launching that and then refining it and modifying it and continuing to grow it, how during the downturn, how was the results perspective? Did it keep us? Did it grow us? Were we fighting a losing battle just because of the downturn? Uh, you know, in retrospect now, I am so glad that we did that work because who knew what was going to happen in 2015. And, right. and I can remember when we went to launch um, the original Hero three-minute commercial, Remember to Breathe. And uh, think, you know, where we were social media-wise a decade ago. <laughs> and so we were making bets. 
we would be super excited if we saw 10,000 views on YouTube. Super excited. 20,000. Wow. Well, well within a year, it was over a million. And awesome. truly, the whole idea of, of that story um, getting picked up and going everywhere. And uh, that told us that we connected and it was being shared everywhere. And um, that, that cemented the idea to industry that the right storytelling vehicle was out there. And now how do we start to swing into its wake? How do we start to follow it up with experiences and start to drive business? And I could say confidently then, then all of the other performance marketing metrics we may have looked at started to indicate that, in fact, business was changing. We mm -hmm. were starting to get more recognition. Our programs were better. Our packages and our deals and our itineraries uh, were, were better and more substantive. And that at least from the visitation of leisure, it was, uh, it was improving. In fact, a little story about how uh, impactful that brand was. Uh, one of our tourism partners was going across the border into the U.S. and Ontario. Mm -hmm. So she gets stopped by the U.S. border guard and, uh, you know, where are you from? What are you doing? And da da da. And she says, oh, I'm, I'm from Alberta. They're talking back and forth. And the U.S. border guard says, do you know anything about this brief? I saw this commercial, this, are you from that same place? And it's a hotelier, actually. And she said, yeah, that's, uh, that's Alberta. That's where I live. Uh, remember to breathe. That's where we live. And, and the U.S. border guard said, I am blown away by where you live. We're actually going to come and visit. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I, I love the like, um, uh, focal point of one or, you know, like armchair research. But those are the things that validate at, the, at that level. <laughs> random, completely random. He made that connection with her from Alberta. Uh, it, he didn't have to bring it up, but it came up. And I've got a bunch of those stories where people just validated. And then we actually started to see the building results. And was that global audience was it uh, i'm always curious of like how do we encourage travel from other provinces like we have this great country it's very vast and i some people are like where should i go i'm like well have you been to quebec city have you gone to the island like, well no i said well don't worry about traveling abroad if you haven't seen some of the things that we have here and i think as canadians we often overlook the backyard like we joked about did yeah. that garner was that did you see an influx or were you able to monitor like was that canadian traffic was it or was it all of the above like did it kind of check the boxes yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely all of the uh, the above. I can't specifically remember the stats, but certainly we know we had an increase in visitation uh, from Canadians coming into the province. Uh, the video itself created such a swell of pride amongst Albertans that other industries were picking it up, and we were encouraging them to use it to talk about the province as a place to live, work, play, and recreate. Um, and and residents were now doing the marketing for us. So they're sending the link out to their friends, whether it's local Canadians or whether it's international audiences, and saying, you've got to check this out. And the commentary was unbelievably positive. It blew us away how much it resonated. Uh, another um, uh, quick story. My mom, my mom gets an email with a link to the video and from her friend, and she said, uh, isn't your son in Alberta? Do you know anything about this? And she writes back, yeah, I know a guy. <laughs> and and created the dialogue about Alberta, and uh, it was just fascinating the way this thing cycled around and instilled pride. And that launched in you said 2011. I, re I remember when it launched. It just I don't know the history. The, the the past seems to all blend together these days. I think staying inside for the last 14 months in your house it, it has made it just all like one big blended mess. <laughs> so to, and is, agreed. 
Yeah, fantastic. Oh. And um, I'm curious about what is the interrelationship when you talk about, we obviously want to encourage travel to here, but if you think about obviously province to province and do you guys tend, to, do, do, we, do we collaborate as provinces at that level or do we kind of build our own little islands when it comes to tourism? In my experience now, I guess about 15 years of doing this work, the level of collaboration that we do as Team Canada has gotten better and better and better. Okay. We're a big, big country with a small tourism community that really, uh, and I hate to use this cliche, but really has learned to punch above its weight. Is there lots of room for improvement and getting better? Yes. But I think, at least in my opinion, what I've learned and continue to learn is that, let's, let's be honest, all kinds of places around the world have similar amenities. They've got running water, they've got hotels, they've got mountains, they've got attractions, they've got restaurants, for sure. So then what makes the difference of trying to work together as a destination? What, what becomes your true differentiator? Uh, collaboration is a strategic advantage. It's a competitive difference because now you're focused on bringing people here versus, versus expending limited energy, battling each other. That might be a bit of a utopian view, but I would argue uh, it allowed travel, it allowed Alberta to function as Team Alberta and allowed a stronger presence generating better results because of that approach. And there goes Canada. Yes, interesting. So uh, COVID happens. How are, uh, I can only imagine there's a big, like, I'm going to be positive and think that this is just going to be an incredible pent-up demand. And I've heard some ads on local radio for places I wasn't expecting. I think Turkish Airways was advertising flights out of Vancouver. And I'm like, okay, there's certain areas and jurisdictions around the world that are like, we're going to try and get ahead of this and get a jump on this wave of what I would believe will be pent-up need to get out of your house and, and go, for, go for a trip. So curious from that perspective, what do you see coming? This is a bit of crystal ball stuff, obviously. Yeah. What do you yeah. see on the horizon and you know how are or should provinces and jurisdictions like Vancouver, how are you guys, how's everybody getting ready for it? Because I think it feels like a real opportunity. And that is exactly the way I think we need to look at it. And it's not to, to undermine the real pain that operators are feeling, some of which, uh, as we go into the summer, have not had revenue in two years. So, so I don't want to undercut the, the, the helplessness that some of the operators feel like. But if we try to say, okay, what's the opportunity here? What were the things that we could maybe do differently or think differently about as we look to rebuild? And I'm specifically using the word rebuild. I don't like the word recovery because the definition of recovery is to assume a prior state. And I would argue the prior state was not the, the best state. So how do we rebuild differently, more sustainably, to manage the experience in our destination? Because it's not just about visitors coming into the destination. It's also about the community that hosts these visitors. We didn't really do a good job, I think, um, prior to the pandemic of thinking about the community aspect of hosting people from all kinds of places. And so I'm, I'm optimistic that community is, is better engaged in the conversation. I'm optimistic it's forcing new ways of collaboration on how we can better manage a triple bottom line, people, planet, and profit. And if I double down that with one more P, it's policy. Because policy will impact how we rebuild and then restart tourism in better ways and shapes and forms. 
appreciate that. No point bringing a whole bunch of people in when there isn't businesses and amenities and things to receive them because those businesses weren't be able to weren't able to survive. And that's I can't imagine being you know, those scenarios of like a year of no revenue, two years, or being forced to close yet yet again. Like I have my my heart goes out Terrible. to those business owners. It's bad enough when you run a business and things go sideways and you can look back and and, and tie it to maybe decisions you made and take some ownership. But man, when the left hook comes and it comes again and again, that's a very real. I have a lot of I have a lot of empathy for some of those businesses and and. and fortunate to be in a knowledge-based business where we pivoted and we were left the office on a Friday and we we're working from home on a Monday. And I, I know that's not free either. There's cultural rifts and friction that happens there, but at least you were able to keep operating. You touched on something around, I like your, your fourth P around policy. Being in Alberta where you were, you had one stakeholder and they had the whole say, even, and not, yeah. I don't want to even compare. I'm just curious, the, yeah. the role of government, not necessarily known for sometimes being the most innovative with their policies or being quick with their policies and matching the times with the need. And sometimes it just feels like those models don't align. Curious, even hearkening back to your time in Alberta, not to throw anybody under the bus, not that it's, it sounds like it's kind of going that way in, in that type of question, but really curious how much that plays a factor and are governments speeding up? Are they getting better at adapting faster as the world is just literally changing weekly? So, you know, going back to opportunity, and, and no, it's not useful to criticize or, or throw the government under the bus at all, but prior to 2019 and, and or 2020, the amount of advocacy we were doing for tourism in Alberta to demonstrate that tourism is a viable and important sector as part of overall economic diversification. Hmm. How much more evidence do you need that tourism matters in this province and makes a difference for communities. Tourism exists in every single riding in the province. So, you know, so the effort we were spending on that, where we could have been spending effort on on doing destination development, bringing new businesses, attracting innovation, uh, entrepreneurs, and promoting these businesses to to get the right kinds of visitation going forward, I would imagine where that province would have been had we allowed to do that. So the policy perspective is huge because if the government doesn't recognize the industry and put policy in place to actualize it, then it's 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 not going to exist longer. It is it's not going to get the growth that it could absolutely get because that lever is not done. And so the, the conversation that we, or the, the expression that we often say is that there is a tourism policy and there's policy that impacts tourism. <laughs> So I'll give you one example, there is, uh, and the industry well knows the story, if, if one or two listen, uh, Alberta had one of the best performance funding mechanisms for a provincial marketing organization in the country, and I would argue in North America based on all the research. Meaning that the better we do our job to bring people in, the more money will come from travelers, not mm-hmm. the tax base. To be net, very, net, very clear. Net new influx of, of new money coming in. Mm-hmm. New money coming in, even existing Albertans. So to be okay. clear, Albertans oh, okay. do not pay taxes to fund Travel Alberta. It's captured through a levy system. The better we can take that money and invest it right back into the sector to improve uh, GDP contribution and growth, job growth, and all those kinds of things. I can't believe the amount of pounding that we had to do in advocacy to demonstrate that. So going back to covid Nobody's scenario planned for a complete global shutdown of the tourism industry, and yet we still find ourselves in the opportunity of advocating this industry actually does contribute. What are you going to do from a policy perspective to allow it to be successful? And that's on you to enact and walk the talk about economic diversification, 
Don't give it short shrift. We're here to support. We're here to help the province. We're not a burden. Seeing and it as a, as, as, but being seen as a cost center is kind of what I'm hearing as the underlying versus an actual lever for change. <laughs> and, and tourism is not um, a cost center in that sense. It is an investment. And we can philosophically argue that. But I would say if you're getting your funding dollars from travelers, not from taxpayers, and it's flowing right back and investing right back into the industry, then how does that not make sense? The accountability, the accountability and the governance mechanisms were all there. This wasn't a country club free-for-all. Dollars were being invested back to industry and to entrepreneurs, SMEs. How is that not a good thing? When oil is taking a pounding and other sectors are taking a pounding and tourism was actually doing reasonably well. And do you think that lives in just maybe a lack of understanding or just like too focused on other areas? Like, again, we're, we're just completely armchair quarterbacking here, yeah, but yeah. well, maybe I am. You're, you were much more closer on the field than I was. But yeah, I just, I, I always want to give the benefit of the doubt. Like, okay, well, if you knew this and understood this, and why wouldn't you invest in it? So you must not have all the information or maybe not believe you need to either. <laughs> I, I, would, I would opt on to, you've got the information, you're in government, I appreciate and respect that you've got a number of levers coming at you, a number of pressures coming at government, uh, government revenues, politics with a massive P is involved in all of this. I think we can all appreciate that. But when the case, I think, is, is, is fairly obvious, and the kinds of dollars that we're talking about is literally a rounding, area, a rounding uh, error in the overall provincial budget, Yet the return is trying to drive the business to ten billion dollars annually in visitor spending. I mean, I mean, come on. Like, like, <laughs> it's sooner like, later you can just boil it down to ROI, right? <laughs> well, what, what, what else do you need? And, and we're always happy to provide. What other piece of information? How else can we help you? What other business case? We were always prided ourselves, always prided ourselves on the ability to be helpful in this because it wasn't about travel Alberta getting tons of money and building an empire. It was about trying to be relevant and showing value to the industry and the communities that we serve so they could realize the gain and the value of the tourism economy. That was the win and very frustrating that in an economic platform, it was not realized in the time that I was there in a time that it was needed most and funding was going down. And how is that? And obviously, you're you're in, a, you're in a different place now. Has that changed at all? Do you have any insights in terms of? Because of course, I'm really thinking about tomorrow, of like where where we're yeah. headed here, in terms of like, are well, we still on that path? Because that doesn't sound shiny, uh, Royce. I don't I don't I don't like what I just heard. Yeah, I, no, pre- I, I appreciate know. the honesty. Yeah, I, I, nothing to hide there. It was not shiny. It was very frustrating for all involved. But <laughs> a massive shout out to the industry who rallied behind Travel Alberta, believed in the organization, did the advocacy. Uh, formed a group, and as a result, as I understand it, uh, Travel Alberta's budget was increased to $60 million a year over the next three years as a result of everything that's happened with the pandemic. The other thing that we worked on before I left was a, was a change of the mandate for the organization, and that was to say that the organization wasn't simply just about marketing, um, because that's really defining the organization by tactic. It's about destination promotion not just about visitors, but about people moving to Alberta, investing in Alberta, going to school in Alberta, and also destination development. How do we help enable entrepreneurs open and open successful businesses? How do we help bring them business? How could we help do that work? 
and that mandate also changed, and it just changed uh, after I left. And I'm I'm so happy for the the organization and the industry and the work that they did to bring that along. Thank you for pivoting. I was going to ask the destination portion because I have a lot of guests on, and they're starting tech companies or they're they're actively growing companies. You know, I talked to someone the other day, like 50 people to 275 people through the pandemic. 80 percent of them are in Alberta. There's much more than just tourism at stake here. There's people looking from abroad, going, "Hmm, do I want to move there? What's going on there? Why would I change and move my family there?" And I think we're at a position now where we're looking for not only to export some of our companies and the amazing things we do. It's a lot easier to sell to somebody or buy from somebody if you already have an idea in their head of who they are. If it's the first time you've ever heard of them, we all know that's a tougher sell you're going to do. And I talked to a lot of companies that are looking abroad and proud to see a lot of Alberta-based companies that are getting clients all over the world. Them knowing where you're from, they said, yeah, it's a factor. They're curious. You know, we live in a, like the world feels more global now and it doesn't matter because we're all Zoom, a Zoom meeting away. But, you know, I, I still believe from a, just the good old retail, if you can't go there in your mind, you're not going to go there in your wallet. So I like the destination piece that we're telling a much bigger story than just travel and tourism. Mm-hmm. You, you hit on something so important. And, and what we tried to do before I left was it just it, it hit me like a lightning bolt. We're busy talking about tourism marketing. And when you talk about tourism marketing to many folks that are outside of the sector, it becomes an exclusionary conversation. Well, I'm not in tourism, or I can't see myself in that, or I don't even understand what you mean. And as I was saying earlier, you talk about tourism marketing to define the business is defining it by a tactic. Tourism marketing is a tactic. So let's talk about destination promotion. That now invites more people to the table who will get more benefit if we work together. That it's not just about visitors, but about business, investment, school, all of those other pieces, whether it's tech, whether it's renewable energy, it doesn't matter. It opens the table up, and I go back to the earlier comment I made, a strategic advantage is not how much water is running, it's your ability to collaborate and find the right points of alignment. That creates wins in my experience. That's interesting. And, and I do appreciate that it's easy to say, bringing multiple stakeholders together and getting people aligned, like that kind of collaboration, it is beneficial and it can like kind of 10x things if you want to use another buzzy term, but it is not e- it's not easy to do. It's hard. Like this, yeah. It's absolutely hard. And you got to have the right personalities, the people that, do, that don't want to collaborate for whatever the reason, and that's fine. Find the people who form a coalition of the willing. Now, <laughs> yes. that's an interesting conversation. Speak, speak to the converted. It's a, way easier, it's a way easier meeting after that. Any other places that. in the world that you look to for inspiration where you've seen them do that really well? I, you know, I love going, hey, who's doing this really well? And what can we, like, what can we beg, borrow, steal, copy, like, get inspired, if nothing else? Any, anywhere else that really stands out for you on the global stage, maybe even North America or beyond? Yeah, uh, in the work that we're doing right now, uh, it's kind of repeating itself here in Vancouver. So in starting this job, the, the board has enabled me to completely revisit the mandate of tourism Vancouver. So I'm really okay. looking at the organization as a 117-year-old startup. So with that mindset... <laughs> I appreciate when, doing- when do you call something a startup or not? It's the mindset <laughs> is what allows you to call it a startup. The I like mindset. That. And so, so that's the basis of answering your question. And so Copenhagen... They're doing incredible things uh, with their city and how they're looking at using policy to manage the visitor and the community experience. Uh, I would say the UK in their industrial strategy that includes tourism more broadly and how it benefits the broader economy are, is a great example. There's some smaller uh, destination management organizations in the US who are working much better with their, uh, their, their mayor or their, their, their civic their politicians um, to try to figure out how does that piece of the puzzle help the entire destination? 
So there's a few great examples out there um, that we can look to and countries where we can, where we can um, leverage some really smart thinking in terms of our own mandate, review and refresh. So this is really also what I'm hearing. Like we've already got a great quote unquote Canadian brand. How do we then go to the next few layers down in the funnel and really start to bring it together? It sounds like we're on this this direction. Like sounds like people are starting to get it. Is what I'm hearing from you is that this isn't a this isn't a tourism strategy. This is a destination. This is elevating all things, uh, church and state. Bring them together. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a destination hmm. strategy, and it's not one size fits all. We've got you know all kinds yep. of pieces that would fit into that, but. I just don't know how you get different results if you keep banging the drum on the same way and approach, uh, you know, and not to, to bring in a sports analogy, but I will. So <laughs> if you if you put a hockey team out there as a goalie myself and everybody on the line are all forwards, well, what do you think is going to happen? If everybody you, on you, the You're going to get a workout that all, day. You're going to get a workout that day, Royce. It's just going to happen. <laughs> you're going to get a workout. If everybody <laughs> out on the ice is a right side defenseman, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, so you get a mix, and that's exciting because then you realize you can help provide value to other industries and other communities where that opportunity wasn't seen before. What a fantastic win! Really, what a fantastic win at a time when our planet and our people need that kind of conversation, not isolate isolationist approaches. Oh yeah, no. I think that's a that's a narrative that I think gets play for the wrong reasons, but it doesn't lead to anything yep. good. No, no. This is no. We're, we're all in it together. We need to embrace that concept. <laughs> yeah, bu- building a wall isn't the answer. Wh- whatever you want, however you want to take that metaphor. <laughs> exactly. So, and is there an opportunity right now like that? You know, I don't want to sound tr- trite when I say this, but never waste a good pandemic, never waste a good downturn, never waste a good recession. We've all heard those around the, the corporate table. Is this an op- also an opportunity for jurisdictions to really like leapfrog ahead by getting out ahead of this and getting these joint strategies in place as things start to kind of the new version of whatever the future? Like, we're never going back because that doesn't the world doesn't work that way. It's this weird nostalgia thing. I think we do as humans. We're going forward, but I feel like man, there's going to be some jurisdictions that really take advantage and kind of the leapfrog strategy of like, boom, wow, they weren't on my radar and look at, look at them now. Short answer. Yes. Yeah. And I'm excited and about maybe that. longer answer. Why wouldn't you <laughs> like, why, why wouldn't you try to take this as an opportunity? Cause I, I, you know, I, I got to tell you, I hope this is the only global reset that we get in our lifetime. So yes. why would it was, you? it was memorable enough. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> right. Exactly. Good enough. Thank you very much. Have my experience. I'll write about it later on. But why, <laughs> why wouldn't you have your mindset in that place? And, and I don't know, I think that just separates the kinds of conversations and where you're going to invest your time when you go down that path and those that are interested and those that are not. And then that clearly defines and it's too bad. So you move on with the people that are willing. Yeah. And from your experience, it sounds like that's exactly your mandate. And I also feel like I'm getting a peek at your strap plan in terms of what you're working on with Tours of Vancouver. Are you getting buy-in? Are people bought in? Like, are you seeing more yes versus no's <laughs> for a simple maybe well, a direct ask? Yeah. So I'll start with, I'll start with the board uh, and it happened in my interview process and I, and they were looking for change. And I said, do you want to go all the way over here, change of the mandate? What are purposes of an organization or do you want me to build back to what was? And they all said, yep, change of mandate, what do we need to do, which is great. And so over the eight months-ish that I've been here, I've been fielding it out in a lot of one-on-one conversations and testing the idea. And overwhelmingly, you know what? That makes sense. And 
I've got a body of research and evidence that was done by my predecessors here from the destination and stakeholder consultation that the ideas that were unearthed and floated up as things to do uh, provide the evidence that the mandate actually has to change in order to do this work. So I've been given a gift in previous work, and so we're at the stage right now of just doing uh, a, a couple handfuls of focus groups, some one-on-ones, and by our AGM on the 24th of June, we will announce Destination Vancouver, and what does that mean? And then we've got a whole ton of work after that. Well, yeah, then, yeah, then, then the, the real, then the real work starts. Then the, then the roll up the sleeve yeah, starts. Yeah, yeah. But so far, none of this happens by itself, right? Yeah, exactly, and it's a it's a team effort. So I, I'm really thrilled that the the community so far is embracing the idea of a destination Vancouver and what it could mean. Well, when I think about Alberta from my own conversations with people, whether it's, you know, exporting our, 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 our goods and services to other parts of the world and people knowing who we are and what we stand for, like values, to importing talent, which I think one of the biggest things right now that yeah. when you think about destination, I also think about all the different need states that are going to be filled under telling this story of whether it's Alberta, Calgary, the, the whole kind of the whole kit where people are going to move here. And I, I'm hearing those needs all across the board, but I've never heard anyone say, well, we need more tourism. But everything they said fits underneath what you said if you want to layer it up to a destination perspective. So to me, it just feels immediately more inclusive. And there, from inclusion comes collaboration. Sorry, I'm kind of repeating it back, but I'm thinking yeah. about it on our, all the different talking points I've heard from my different guests. It's a destination. Is what, They didn't use the words, but that's what they're talking about. No one ever said, we need more travel. We need more tourism. Because you're right, it's kind of an isolationist little bucket, right? It feels like it's not my thing. That's not me. Right. I don't deal with that. that, that that's... That, that's exactly it. It's designed to be a bigger part of it. You know, so I would do a meeting and, uh, uh, or an update, what's Travel Alberta doing, or getting people to understand the difference between marketing and, and the destination. And, um, and in that conversation, uh, I would ask, how many people visited here, Alberta, for a business meeting or something else, and then you moved here because you saw the opportunity, you saw the community, whether it was um, locals or the business community, you said, you know what? I think I can, I can make something here. I would say over half the room would put up their hands. Now there's your proof. Well, we've been doing it all along, but we never really thought about it in that way. So in this case, words matter. Destination, tourism marketing. One gets invited in. Once for the tourism geeks like ourselves, it'll have our own conversation, and that's great. <laughs> yeah, well, we're not gonna. Yeah, we don't want to remove that off the table, but we want to bring yeah. it into the bigger table. Yeah, bigger value. Yeah, Royce, I love all your little miniature uh, little focus groups that you do. I'm hearing it all the time. You're just taking always. If you hang out with Royce, you're going to be involved in some type of a casual poll at one time or another <laughs> over drinks or, or around the dinner table. <laughs> Well, you know what? I love, uh, I love learning. Uh, and it's the only way that we get better. And, uh, you know, if you're the smartest guy in the room, usually the room's empty. <laughs> Mic drop. Royce, it was fantastic talking to you today. That was amazing. Um, besides the obvious, what's, if I want to learn more about what's going on in Vancouver, especially I'm excited to hear what you guys are doing. I'm going to keep tabs on it. Um, our, 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 our very close, just over, just, it's just a short 12-hour Canadian drive to get there and you're, and, you're, and, you're, and you're there. What's the best way to learn more, reach out, get a hold of you guys? What's, uh, what's, what are the channels? TourismVancouver.com. That's the, the best way to, to get a hold of me uh, if you're interested in a further conversation. And certainly the industry folks know where I am. But, but uh, stay tuned to, to TourismVancouver.com. That is going to change uh, over the course of the next year. And we will relaunch with a new look 
um, and not just a new look for the sake of a new look, but yeah. a, hopefully a better way to storytell about this great destination and what's here and how it might make a difference for the broader community, including the travelers. Well, they're fortunate to have you on the team. I'm, I'm excited. And thanks for, I feel like I got a little bit of an inside share, which I, which I love. So, and thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate your insights and your willingness to just uh, call a spade a spade. Thank you, sir. Hey, well, thanks so much uh, for having me. Really appreciate your time and your interest. And uh, for my Alberta friends out there, uh, I miss you. And you're such a great team. And I'm looking forward to working with you in this different capacity as part of the West Coast team. Very cool. Yeah, and we're all in it. We're all in it together. Thanks, Royce. Got it. Okay. Thanks very much.